Grew up in a little house of eight kids. Nobody prepared me for how life is. But I learned a lot of prayers. Dad thought God was all there was. And we knew when we broke his heart, we'd quickly be the wayward members of the bad, bad family. Bad family. Bad family, a podcast about black sheep, bad kids, bad family. Let's get started. Hey, Lincoln. Hey, Coco. What happened with your connection last time? I don't know. My um, my mic wasn't working for some reason. <laughs> I also see that you've logged in. Instead of saying Lincoln, it says Linkolb. Linkolb. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, my phone's treating me real nice today. No problem. <laughs> you got the Monday special. <laughs> How are you doing, Coco? I'm doing okay. I'm actually feeling really um, delighted with myself that I wrote that theme song. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, I had a listen. It was good. Um, I don't know if I should feel delighted or embarrassed, but I'm just leaning in. Hey, Lindsay. Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, cool. Um, I was just telling Lincoln how delighted I am in myself that I wrote that theme song 30 minutes before we decided to podcast. What a talent. What a talent. Uh, whatever. <laughs> um, how are you doing? I'm fine. We have been uh, just watching Say Yes to the Dress all day. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, sometimes that's the mood. I just want to watch, you know, Midwestern and Southern women pick out the ugliest bridal gowns of all time. Well, it's certainly momentous, you know? You watch the picking. What's up? Gotta see what's up. Oh, I'm good. Um, I just got back to San Francisco today. We spent Memorial Day weekend um, with my girlfriend's mom uh, just visiting and relaxing. That sounds nice. Yeah, it was chill. Well, I guess I thought we'd start out today with a Tell Us Apart segment. And I thought... (laughs) For anyone listening for the first time, I'm here with my sister, Lindsay, and my brother, Lincoln. I thought today for our Tell Us Apart segment, we could each talk about what our favorite book is and why. Okay. Who? All right. Do you want to go first? I need to think for a sec. Yeah, this assumes I'm very well read. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Lincoln hasn't finished a book since high school. Although I am re-listening to Harry Potter on Audible right now. (laughs) That's good. I love Harry Potter. Um, I thought about this in the two minutes before we started. When people ask me what my favorite book is, because I feel like it's one of those questions that comes up occasionally, I always say The End of the Affair by Graham Greene. Ooh. And in my memory, I just felt like... I haven't read it in years and years and years, but there was just something about that, the wartime story of that book and this like Catholic guilt that really resonated with me. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) It's a very, very beautiful book. 
Anyway, what is it I, called again? It's called The End of the Affair. Got it. Uh, while you're thinking, I looked up... I'm a librarian, so years and years ago, I was really into writing book reviews on Goodreads. Um, and I thought I would read you what I wrote about this book 11 years ago. Oh, cool. Maybe your yes. thoughts will have changed. Maybe. I'll have to reread it again to, to find out. But this was my review. I gave it five stars, and I said... Despite what you think, this is a story about hate, at least as much as it is a story about love. From the very onset, Green's narrator, Mars Bendrix, reflects on the end of an affair. In an introspective narrative questioning motives, jealousies, actions, and loyalties, Bendrix explores the quality of his relationship with Sarah Miles. While this is a story about infidelity, the world fails, the word fails to give justice to the sentiment. The end of the affair transcends any hint of derivative simplicity to searchingly question the nature of faith, the purpose of life, and the depth of pain. I was introduced to Green when my... <laughs> I know, I'm like... <laughs> I like making the, like, suck your own dick motion. I was introduced... <laughs> this is a hell of a Yelp review. <laughs> like I'm getting like Graham Greene personally is like I'm getting a kickback for recommending this but listen <laughs> to this part this is what blew me away I didn't remember this I was introduced to Green when my husband asked me to read this book I think he was moved by the characters I think he felt their humanness and hoped for their redemption I did the same we rarely appreciate the same books but in this case we are of one heart and one mind Green is a master the end of the affair succeeds in every way with a kind of perfect raw storytelling that I've never before seen. Odd by this novel alone, I will read every book that Graham Greene has ever written. So... Did you do that? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no I wrote... She lies. This is a false review. I'm reporting you on Goodreads. Yeah. <laughs> 11 years ago, so I guess I was 24 when I wrote that. Dang. Yeah, maybe almost 25. Um, I have a few that I've thought of. I don't know what I would choose as my number one fave. But I like um, Far From the Madding Crowd by Thomas Hardy is a fave. I've never read that. What's that about? Oh, it's great. It's about, uh, it's one of those like uh, 19th century pastoral novels about uh, a young woman who inherits a farm and uh this is sounding boring it's a, it's just written in a really interesting observant way um she has like three different suitors throughout the book and uh as opposed to like maybe you've read or heard about Tessa the Durbervilles which is also by Thomas Hardy and um, I've heard it. I've never read much it. Sadder. I've heard the name, but I don't know what it's about. Well, that one is really tragic. Um, and it kind of feels it's a good counterpoint to Far From the Madding Crowd, because Far From the Madding Crowd ends um, much happier. And it's a much more like sympathetic ending for the heroine, but uh, I like that one. And I like Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier. That's a great one. I've never read any of those. Oh, I think you'd like Rebecca. Uh, 
Let me think of something more recent too. I'm looking at my own bookshelf right now. I just finished The Dog of the South by Charles Portis, and it was very funny. I really liked it. He wrote okay. True Grit. It's like, Aww. he's sort of like a modern, like Mark Twain tone, like very tongue in cheek. Um, and then I read a book a few years ago by this girl called uh, Yagi Yasi called Homegoing. That was really good. Oh, I remember reading the book reviews for that, but I never read that. It's great. I would recommend it. I'll put it on my list. Lincoln, have you read anything in the last few years? <laughs> um, yeah, I actually have a couple <laughs> answers. I was like trying to think and also just scrolling through my uh, Audible library. Um, here's something to put me apart, listeners. I have trouble just sitting down and reading. So whenever I want to read a book, I'll just um, throw on an audiobook. But... Um, two books that heavily affected me the past few years. One is a book of poetry called The Prophet by Khalil Gibran. Um, really beautiful collection of poems written from the point of view of this prophet giving advice to an island full of people about different um, just sort of universal topics like love and work and um, I think Justice is one of them, but it's really good. Um, that sounds lovely. I should read that. I like poetry. Oh, it's great. I'll send it to you. Um, and then the other book that affected me was uh, this book called Tiny Beautiful Things by, uh, if I can find her name, uh, Cheryl Strayed. Tiny oh. Beautiful Things is um, basically a collection of responses from an advice column called Dear Sugar, where the author, Cheryl Strayed, um, empathizes with all of these people who um, have gone through hard things and are asking her for help with like the hard situations in their life. And she can't always help them, but she can empathize with them. And she writes about that. Interesting. Yeah, they're both really, really good. Um, I was in kind of a sad spot maybe a year and a half ago, and that book got me through it. I'm happy to hear that. I feel like there's a lot of really beautiful books about hard times and loss. Yeah. Did you read The Year of Magical Thinking? I I did. That's that Joan Didion book. Lincoln about where she both loses her husband and her daughter in like this a very short space of time and she believes she's just in this like state of grief where she engages in magical thinking where she thinks that if she doesn't throw away their clothes and if she does all of these like kind of ritualistic things that maybe they'll come back to life Hmm. that's sad but it sounds really good it's, it's really, really beautiful. Good. I actually, I could hear Vivian speak in a church in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and she was phenomenal and so dry. Do you know when you're at a, a, a book reading or a book signing and people get up to ask questions, but they're not really asking a question? Yeah. They're just like, gushing. I, hate, just really I hate audience questions. And I just want to. 
tell you how you know impactful you've been for me and so my question is <laughs> there was like a five minute story like that but the question was like yes or no I don't even remember what the question was and Jen Didion listened to the whole like diatribe and then she just answered the question and she was like no Next question. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Excellent. So dry. So cutting. I hate audience questions. They're always like that. Well, they're all just wrapped up in people's own sensibilities about a book. Yeah, I don't just mean like at readings. I mean just any forum where they're going to have an audience Q&A. I will leave because <laughs> the questions are never good or they're not. Um, I, like them after, I like them after movies. You know, sometimes if you see a movie and then you get like a Q and a with the director, I like that. Mm. <laughs> I don't usually like it, but you know, that's okay. It is, it is what it is. Don't think I've attended too many audience panels, but I can agree with the sentiment <laughs> that um, people ask dumb questions and say stupid stuff. I mean, maybe they just get like caught up in the limelight, like they get scared. Maybe they really did have a legitimate question. I don't know. Who knows? Well, I thought today... Um, well, I guess I keep thinking about how it's Memorial Day for our main topic of what we're going to talk about. And I just keep thinking about how memorials are for the living and not for the dead. So I thought related to that, maybe my original idea was that we would talk about the concept of a good edit, meaning how we can't do it all. We can't read all books. We can't buy all things, you know? So how do we, the concept of having like a good purposeful edit of our time and resources mm -hmm. But related to Memorial Day and how uh, we're alive, I thought maybe we should talk about like a good edit of our lives. Mm -hmm. Like what makes a good edit and what are the good things we should be focused on or should be doing if we're re we were reviewing it, you know, really keeping in mind that not everyone makes it, not everyone gets an opportunity. To live? Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> so, um, when it comes to a good edit, what are you really talking about? Like, editing our time to fit in things that we enjoy, or... It's kind of open-ended. I mean, when I was originally thinking about the concept of a good edit, I was just thinking how our time is finite mm -hmm. and we don't have enough time to do everything that we would do. Mm -hmm. Really, I was thinking about this originally in a work sense because my work days are just so jam packed yeah. with a million tasks that I never get anything done and trying to think about how to be more productive. I feel but related to that, just how we're constantly being forced to edit and narrow because, you know, we talked about books. We can't read every single book we've ever wanted to read. We just don't have time. Yeah. Or we can't do... It's like all these people who wanted to do all these beautiful 
um, aggressive or like ambitious things during quarantine. I haven't done jack shit during quarantine. <laughs> I've worked and I've survived. Yeah, I don't know. I was just talking about that with Nina. Like all these people you see who are like, yeah, I'm like exercising all the time in quarantine and like painting and baking bread every day. And it's like, I'm watching Say Yes to the Dress for like 12 hours. <laughs> you think you're better than me? <laughs> you're not better than me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it just was making me thinking about being thoughtful about why we do the things that we do or how to be thoughtful about how we we edit our time or or our lives. Um, I definitely feel you when it comes to like being very busy with work uh and finding it hard to fit in fun things or things that I want to do. Uh Something uh, that I am trying to edit out of my life is working after six. So typically I'll try and make whatever work hours of my day as nine to six. And then after that, I'll do a hard cut where I'll focus on dinner or hanging out with Haley or playing my guitar or something. And then even if there's more to do, I'll push it to the next day and usually it's fine. That's really critical, Lincoln, because you can burn out. I didn't even realize how possible it is to burn out. Yeah. Um, until I got this most recent job and I was just like running on all cylinders for three months and I literally stopped functioning. Well, uh, I can't take full credit for the idea. I was like complaining to my therapist all the time. and He was like, you're burned out, bro. <laughs> um, yeah. You got to so, protect your time. Yeah. Because if you like give and give and give to people, especially at work, they're just going to take all you got. Yeah. They're never going to be like, you yeah, they calm want... down. Yeah. <laughs> they want that motivation. But honestly, you can be a better employee if you protect yourself, yeah. which means taking your vacations. It means signing out for your mental health. It, the work is never going to end. It means purposefully saying at the end of every day, I've done what I can do. I could work more, but I'm going to stop for the evening and I'll pick back up on this tomorrow morning. That's something that really bothers me about um, the job that I have right now is that the work does never end. And like all of my previous jobs, I would finish like whatever job I was given for the day and I'd be done. I could go home. I wouldn't have to take things with me or in the back of my head. Uh, I could just fully enjoy resting. But now, as an adult, it's harder to do that if you're, like, worried about tomorrow. Oh, yeah. It's incredibly difficult. I find myself, as I'm going to sleep, thinking about work and thinking about stress. Right. And I have to put, like, Ugh. a hard jail cell lockdown on those that thinking. I hate that. I don't want to be stressing about work while I'm trying to sleep before I just return to work. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of horrible. <sighs> but that's very, that is very much life. That is how work culture um, is in America right now, I would argue. Well, I'm glad your therapist told you that. It's really true. You just have to take time for yourself and and really give things their appropriate boundaries. Mm -hmm. 
He also said that I'm a perfectionist, which I didn't realize until he said it. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, um, I was a perfectionist, but I don't think that I am anymore. You just have to get comfortable with your own perfection. Here's an example. Um, when I worked for a different law firm and I had a director, she would always send these emails and there would always be misspellings in her emails. And I was judging her. <laughs> and I would think if she had just read through this a second time, she would have spelled this correctly. I know she's not an idiot, but this is just like sloppy and reflects poorly on her. And now almost every single email I send has a spelling error in it. And I understand her in a way I never did. <laughs> it's just that she didn't have time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We have so many different things to execute. It's better to get it done and have a product than to be perfect. And so there are constantly misspellings in my, in my work. Other people can correct it. That's fine. It's just like pushing things forward. Yeah. Well, also like a the work email is not the same thing as like a deliverable for, I don't know, a client or whatever. I am not there yet. I feel like whenever I send a message, uh, like in Slack or in an email, I'm always like rereading it several times to get the language right. And then I'll send yeah. it. And then I'll read it again and realize that I misspelled something and I'll edit it and go, fuck. Yeah, I do. I do that too. But you have to let go of that in some way. Because the perfect really is the enemy of the good. But also, you just, you know, you just have to let yourself be imperfect. I kind of feel like I have to for my job. Oh, yeah, you're a copy editor. I'm a, well, I'm a copywriter. And then I copy edit sometimes the, uh, the written work that other people in the company produce. So then if I'm giving feedback, I'm like, ugh. I guess I have all of my feedback has to be perfectly grammatically correct. Otherwise, I'm utter undercutting my, you know, authority. Well, I think it also takes skill to realize what matters and what doesn't matter. For example, like if I'm saying something really sensitive to someone, if we're having to have a talk about what could go better and what we should improve on, then I'll be really thoughtful about the exact way that I say something. But if I'm just responding and like pushing, you know, saying yes or no, pushing something forward, the language doesn't matter so much if it's not sensitive. Yeah. I don't know. I wonder if that, is this the same for you? One of my biggest insecurities is that I'll be perceived as being stupid. Yes. Yep, I, feel that. <laughs> I don't know why I feel that though. It's not that it's an insecurity because I don't think that I'm stupid, but whenever anyone, like sometimes I'll get feedback from clients and obviously they don't know me, but if their feedback is at all like condescending, which it sometimes it can be, even when they're wrong, I that's a huge pet peeve to me. Like when somebody implies that they're smarter than I am and then on top of it, they're wrong. <laughs> that makes me furious. Do you think it's gendered or classist though? Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I feel that. Someone in hierarchically a higher position than you just like kind of power, doing that power thing where they're like, whatever, I'm right. Mm. I don't know. I mean, it's usually women giving this feedback, so I don't know that it's gendered. But it can, you know, could be. 
in other contexts. Um, I just feel like when someone says something that makes me feel stupid, I immediately, even though I'm a confident person to some degree, I immediately think, am I stupid? Did I just say the dumbest thing any human has ever said? <laughs> Pick with that uh, is you have to catch yourself when you go down that line of thinking and then go, you idiot, you are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> No, but the truth of it is it's just funny. And smart people sometimes say dumb things. You know, sometimes if you just don't think all the way through it. Um, One of my best friends, Dan, has twins. And they're eight years old now. But when they were young babies. And Dan is one of the smartest people that I know. But when they were young babies, he, like, leaned over to his wife, Lisa. And he said, isn't it crazy that the twins are going to see the year 3000? (laughs) And she said, honey, check your math. Oh, no, they might. They might. Look, they say that the first person to live to 150 has already been born. Maybe the first person to live to 1,050 has also already been born. Dang. That sounds like a sad, long life. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. Oh, do you guys want to hear that Nickelodeon show about the girl who lived forever? A Nickelodeon show? There was some Nickelodeon show about the, there was this girl and her parents and they had really long lives and they had to keep moving because. I don't know. We oh, didn't have Nickelodeon. No, 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 no. I know about? what you're talking about. You're talking about, uh, uh, Tuck Everlasting. That's not a, no, not no, that was a Nickelodeon show. But that's the exact same, like, concepts. They live forever. No. They had to move. No, I've seen that Tuck Everlasting. I think it was an episode of one of those. Not, I don't think there was like an X Files on Nickelodeon. Are you talking about but so weird? Something... Did that? Yeah, I think so there was weird? like a so weird episode where there were these very long-lived. I don't know there was what a long-lived that was. Family. That could have been so weird. Man, so weird was great. Chuck Everlasting, Lincoln, your references constantly baffle me and, and reinforce that you were raised in a house of That was like girl. one of the only VHS movies on the shelf. Remember that time, Lincoln, you woke me up during the summer when we were kids? I don't think that like, we need to up. put this on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember, remember what. And I think that what did you want to watch? Right was along. it Fried Green Tomatoes or was it Gilmore Girls? Or was it both? <laughs> wake up, I want to watch Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Aw, that's sweet. Well, I think we all love fried green tomatoes from from living at home with our mom. It's the greatest movie. No wonder. Wait, that's um, that's a Dead Poet Society, isn't it? No, I thought that was from Fried Green Tomatoes. You know, when she like hits the woman with her car and she's like coming into her like badass. Yeah, you're right. What is it they say in? Dead Poet Society, though, because they're... He calls himself some name, uh, Nawanda or something. Oh, shoot. Yeah, wait, Neil. Not Neil. Wait, no. Neil? No, the one played by Josh Charles. It's been a long time since I've seen Dead Poet Society, so I don't remember that. I only remember Robin Williams standing on the chair teaching them the Yeah, it's Nawanda. That's the name from, um, Dead Poet Society. But that's... Wait, are we putting... 
and do they also say Tawanda in fried green? They say Tawanda in fried green tomatoes and Nuanda in Dead Poets Society. Whoa. Oh my god. I guess we've got a classic devil feature right there. There you go. Somebody. (laughs) Who knew? Not me. Dead Poets Society. Nuanda? <laughs> Don't mind me. Oh, that surprised me. Well, what else should we talk about at a good edit? Do you guys feel like there's anything you, if you're being thoughtful, you feel like you should edit out or edit into? Your I mean, lives? there are like a bunch of different things that I want to get into, but I don't feel like I have time in one day for all of them. So, like, I want to learn how to code more. Um, I want to learn guitar, I want to exercise, and uh, I was trying to get back into chess like the past week, Um, but it's hard to fit all those things into a day, so... Yeah, I have a hard time with routines, too. I was thinking on, like, an edit side, I would try and do two of them on one day, and then the other two on the following day, so sort of like an A day, B day workout thing. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's an interesting plan. Um, I'm pretty type A, so I like to have like a routine or a list of things that I do that feels very comfortable. Oh, no, I mean, I like to have I like to have a to do list and I like to know what I need to do during the day. What I mean is it's hard for me because there are so many things that I want to do, like you said, Link. Uh, if there, you know, if there's like things that aren't work related or like daily maintenance, like laundry or whatever, things that are fun that I want to incorporate, like learning Samoan or like studying anything else or uh, doing art or things that I think would just be like enriching that I would want to do more regularly. I find it hard to be like, well, I'll schedule a time to do that. You know, I find that hard to build into a routine. Well, that makes sense. It's incredibly difficult to learn languages. I think I'm finally giving up on learning languages. <laughs> well, I've wanted to learn them for not in high school. I hated learning French in high school, but I feel like as an adult, it's such a tangible skill that you can teach yourself. And so valuable. And so I wanted to learn languages to be smart and to be cultured. And I wanted to learn Samoan to be close to our father and to be able to speak to him before he dies (laughs) in his native language. But to be quite honest with myself, I'm 35 and I just don't fucking think I'm ever going to get there. I just don't think I'm going to do it. So I don't know if I really need to say, yes, you can and do it. Or if I just need to say you're not that follows well i mean languages is really hard i think the best way to learn is through immersion but you're not going to get immersed in samoan unless you move to samoa right now yeah or even like have anyone to practice with really except for dad and he's not like a good teacher (laughs) that's not one of his skills but i mean if i were if i were committed i could like 
the world is much more open than it was before. Even 10 years ago, there wasn't a book to learn Samoan yeah. and now there is. So if I wanted to learn it, I could listen to Samoan radio. I could listen to Samoan podcasts. I could read that Gaganya Samoa book, <laughs> but I have not done any of those. Yeah. Things. You didn't read page one because it's not a hard G honey. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, how are you the supposed to say that? You're right, I didn't read page one. I got confused with the T's and the K's. You know, yeah. the like formal or the informal. Yeah. Well, I just think it, like people who commit to learning a language as an adult they must not have other hobbies you know they're like i'm doing this and this only or people who you know like ultra runners or whatever they're like this is my thing i can't just choose one thing which means i have many things that i don't do that well but i enjoy them wait but i mean that makes me feel bad because i'm like what is my thing is it like drinking and watching tv and listening to podcasts that might be. I think that's a lot of people's thing. No shame in it. Yeah, I'm very um, good at those things, but I'm not that good at drinking. You know what? I heard this. Oh, I'm I'm good enough yeah. for all of us. Shame. Um, I actually heard this really beautiful podcast the other day. It was the Daily, the New York Times, but it was this episode about the one of the New York Times critics, and he is a professional tv watcher because he's a tv critic and he was talking about just be gentle on yourself it's not wasting your time watching tv he was talking about like what an artistic and cultural experience it was and also a social experience and talking about the different shows that he specifically watched with his each individual children and it was really lovely i'm saying sometimes watching like if you're watching just garbage by yourself Maybe that could be. Well, let's be nice. Waste of time. I wouldn't call it garbage. It's just... <laughs> yeah, I'm no, referring to that one anime you recommended me, Lincoln. Did, did you watch? Because you should have. I haven't watched anymore, but you know what I have been watching is I I watched the whole first season of Avatar. Oh, nice. Well, oh, that's yeah, a beautiful really like show. I did not watch the whole season. I maybe was seen like two episodes. Yeah, yeah original Avatar is really good. Um, did you Korra watch Korra? I did watch Korra. Maybe I'll watch um, that. It gets crazier in Korra. I won't spoil anything, but they go more into like uh, the history. I've heard some stuff. Avatar. And I, you know, you know how I do. I like spoilers, so I, uh, I got on Wikipedia and I like went into it. I did some digging. You read the spoilers? A lot. I, <laughs> I like doing that. That, that sounds bad. But I, I'll do it with horror movies. If someone is making me watch a horror movie, I'll like read through to the end to make sure that I won't get just like oh, too scared. Sure. He's a baby. Oh, I should have done that this week. Uh, with horror movies, yeah. I think we all are, actually. Uh, I should have done that because you watch Midsommar. I hate Midsommar. Yeah. Is that how you say it? I thought it's I Midsommar. Midsommar. Yeah, I think it's Midsommar. <laughs> Did I not say it, the title of the movie in the movie? I actually haven't seen it. I don't remember. You know, it was truly beautiful, and I just hated <laughs> it the whole way through, and nothing about it could 
like it more. It just got more and more fucking That movie gave intense creepy. anxiety. Did you watch Hereditary? Have you watched yeah. any horror movies that you liked? Um, yes, I watched this New Zealand horror comedy I really liked. Called No, I never saw that. It was called Homebound or something like that, but I've never seen a movie where I was so terrified and just like screaming laughing before. It was so Oh, good. I just watched um The Invisible Man. That was pretty good. Oh, that was scary. scary. That that one, yeah, I didn't want to see that one. I really like Elizabeth Moss, though. Ever since I saw her in that scary show, Top of the Lake. She's, uh... What have I seen her in? I watched a little bit of Mad Men. She's good. I never got I into never Mad Men either. I thought it was boring. <laughs> but that's just me. But Don Draper. <laughs> that's okay. Wait, since we're talking about TV, should we talk about, like, the seminal TV Everybody that we think... Watch? Oh. No, not that. Related to our family or like the memories oh, sure. of what we have watching together and what we feel yeah, like our, our family identity. I mean, movie-wise, it's Newsies for sure. Yeah. We that well, that's like kind of a, that feels like kind of a Mormon cultural thing. You think? Yeah. Like a lot of, a lot of Mormons watched Newsies. That's that like musical theater thing though. Yeah, that makes sense. Newsies for sure. We also watched. Um... Do you guys remember Maverick? <laughs> I didn't really. Maverick starring Jodie Foster I and, Mel Gibson and James Cagney. Great one. I haven't watched. That was a good one. We watched While You Were Sleeping a ton. That one stands up. I just read an oral history That's a family of movie that movie, actually, because I think it's like the 25th or something anniversary great movie what'd you learn and just like they history? talked to the cast members about it um apparently they almost cast matthew mcconaughey but they couldn't it was originally supposed to be set in new york and then they decided to move it to chicago and they were looking for the right person to play the older brother jack and they looked at matthew mcconaughey and he was like i can do he was like i can do like not a Texas accent, and they were like, "No." <laughs> I'm Can so, you? No. I was in movies back then. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, it wasn't no, they cut the right people. That's like, did you know uh, Ronald Reagan was almost the lead Ugh. in Casablanca? Can you imagine? <laughs> you know what? Speaking of other things you can't imagine, I texted the whole family that Pavarotti couldn't read music, and not one person responded anything. Not a peep. I'm sorry, no Apparently one felt that strong. I didn't know Only the greatest tenor in the world. <laughs> A beautiful cool. tenor. All right, fine. Well, our, I, I mean, sorry, <laughs> Lindsay, I thought that was insightful. I just didn't respond. I just thought it would be a nice thing to follow up, like, a bunch of tense political conversation. <laughs> just break it up with a little fun fact. And everyone was like, we don't care. Who's Pavarotti? Was he a real- <laughs> yeah, that feels very on brand. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, does anyone have I'm anything trying to else think they of want the to other shows about? we used to watch? Related. 
not shows. I mean, related to a good edit. I've been trying to edit oh, my wardrobe for you. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I just, you know, it's like seasonal change where I, today I pulled out our winter coats and like put some under the bed and I tried to put out, pull out my shorts. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just tra- always kind of like thinking about who I want to be. And I feel like my appearance rarely yeah, reflects I feel that. that way. And this is embarrassing, but I've been watching Madam Secretary, which Matt hates. He thinks it's like very idealistic because there's always a diplomatic solution and there's never like right. a non-diplomatic solution. And I've been watching that and I just, I looked up like Madam Secretary fashion because <laughs> I wanted to buy some of the like work shirts that you wore. You're trying to dress like Taya Leone in Madam Secretary. I'm trying to dress like the Secretary of State. I want it. They're all Escada. They're all like $500 Escada blouses. So I was yeah, like, this geez. was a pipe dream. I have more likelihood of becoming the Secretary of State than I do of buying this Escada blouse. No, thank you. Um, I feel like normally I will try to edit my wardrobe to make it look the way I want, but with quarantine and everything going on, I, I haven't cared. It's like sweatpants most days and a business top. Yeah. Well, I don't feel like... I already have like a pile of stuff to take to to donate whenever that's something I can when I can leave my house again and I don't really feel like going through my closet for now I just have like a pile of clothes that I wear over and over and then I wash in a tiny tub in the sink (laughs) that makes me so sad I mean I'm glad you're social distancing but it feels painful and embarrassing to imagine you like washboarding your sheets and then hanging them on god knows what (laughs) the television no we have like a a rack for drying and I just take it out into the carport and put it next to Nina's car um it's fine the other day I was doing my laundry in the sink and Nina was having like therapy via zoom in her room and she texted me (laughs) while she was in there because I was singing too loud. (laughs) She was like, we can hear you. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I think that's a family trait too. I have, I like to sing as well while I'm singing all the time. Sophie told me that in college people used to like, if I was in the shower and she was just like, coming down the stairs they would be like so Lindsay's in the shower huh because you could hear me <laughs> I feel like I'll only sing if I'm comfortable around people um, so I'll sing around Haley um, but other roommates in my life don't think I sung that much I don't like to sing in front of people like a solo, but if I'm just doing something and no one's around, I'll sing. Or if it's like, we're all singing around a campfire, then I like to sing. And sometimes I get really caught up in the like, mom church moment where I like to sing really loud. (laughs) This this made me think of something that's a pet peeve uh, every time it happens. But I hate whenever people start singing like, 
happy birthday in a group and no one picks a key. They just all choose their own key and then they go. Yeah. It's the worst. Oh my gosh. Oh. I, without fail, I will always do the harmony because I know it and I'm like, <laughs> fuck the rest of you guys. Let's but what get do you do it. when Let's they're not on the same nice. key? You're harmonizing well, some with one key. Some people will like, hear someone who's louder and then go to their key. But then... I mean, you're harmonizing with what the what the verse should be. I mean, it's not like I sing I sing happy birthday that often. It's just with our family, sure. so it's on tune. So I'll do the harmony. I just hate it. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were gonna say. Wow. I thought you were gonna say <laughs> a family pet peeve, like how when I'm singing anything somebody else will start singing the same song at a different part of the song and louder a different key louder <laughs> um that is a family pet peeve but you know we gotta get together more that hasn't happened for a little bit probably happened at christmas that doesn't bother me at all i wasn't at christmas i know <laughs> No, that's not a family pet peeve for me. Uh, a pet peeve for me was when I would say something to dad and he wouldn't respond. But now that I know that he's almost totally deaf, I just yeah. can totally forget him. Do you think him sometimes he was pretending, though? Like, he he is kind of deaf, but do you think sometimes he was like, I'm, I'm going to use that? <laughs> I think he just minces his words, and even if he hears you, he's not going to respond if he doesn't feel like yeah. it merits a response. So it, it is, is what it is. Well, I guess that's all we've got to say about a good edit. I'll keep thinking about how to edit my life for the better. Oh, wait, I did think of something. Um, since I was watching Madam Secretary today while you were watching Say Yes to the Dress, I'm, I'm way, way behind. I'm in season five, and they were talking about... Um, they had this episode based on the immigration policy when they were separating kids crossing the border from their parents. And I had completely forgotten about that. And I feel like something we can do to be better people is to not get distracted by the news cycle and like remember these like cutting issues so we can follow yeah. up and make sure justice is served. Or maybe we just like donate money to the ACLU regularly i'm not sure yeah i think that's a good point it's easy to forget something that happens in the news if they don't follow up on it themselves and the news cycle is always changing it's infuriating and i guess that's good anyway i think it's positive to like always be asking why yeah <laughs> um, I'm not 100% sober. I've had about three drinks. Truth comes so... out. Dang. I need you guys to wrap up. You're telling me that this is an inebriated podcast. I didn't know we were having a drunk. We should, next time, yeah, everybody should we'll have three drinks episode. before we start. We usually have one drink while we're podcasting just because I feel like it feels more comfortable for me. 
but it was a holiday, so I got going a little bit early. Oh, there's music outside, so probably can you guys? I can. Something that a lot of people have been doing during quarantine is blaring their music, like driving by, but like blaring their. That's considerate of them. We've had people do that like after midnight on our street, which is a residential street. It drives me crazy. Oh, yeah. I don't know why. All right. Well, I guess wrapping up, we talked about a good edit. Um, should we talk about a bad edit? <laughs> <laughs> this is, yeah, the alcohol is fine. Sure. Um, bad edit. Man, the only thing that comes to mind is like, in a work context, getting these stupid edits from stupid clients who don't know what's good for them. Once again, just infuriated by people who imply that they know more than I do. I get that. Or maybe it's like spending our time worrying about things we don't want to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard, though. Um, it's very hard to like turn off worry or turn off stress because um, even if you like at least when it comes to work if you, even if you stop working you're still kind of thinking about working for a while and the stress is still like in your shoulders yeah sometimes I have a hard time acknowledging that I'm stressed especially in quarantine I've been like I don't feel that stressed I'm fine and then I look down at my hands and I have like developed this gnarly eczema. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> I get that. Okay. Well, I love all of you. And yeah, I need to go catch up, episode. have my three drinks. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just sorry. Uh, got okay. three hours ahead. I got time. Well, I love you all. I appreciate love you taking the time. And I think, I feel like this was insightful, but we also should think more. I feel like this was like uh, the beginnings of a good edit. We'll keep thinking about sure how thing. to get there. Okay. Talk to you yeah. next week. We'll do a good edit of this podcast. Love you, okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. Thanks for listening. Smell you later.